0: The and welcome to Buffy and the Art of Story Season 5. If you love Buffy the Vampire Slayer and you love creating stories or just taking them apart to see how they work, you're in the right place. Today I'll be talking about Season 5, Episode 3, The Replacement, where a demon targets Buffy and hits Xander instead. I am Lisa M. Lilly, novelist and founder of Writing as a secondcareer.com, where you can learn more about fiction writing, publishing, and book marketing. As to The Replacement, today we'll talk about a fake-out that plays fair with the audience, mostly, a definitive Buffy-Riley moment, and a main plot about Buffy and a demon that is really about Xander's life. There will be no spoilers until the end to talk about foreshadowing, but I'll give you plenty of warning. Okay, let's dive into the hellmouth. The replacement aired the first time on October 10, 2000. It was directed by James A. Contner and written by Jane Espenson. It starts as it should with an opening conflict. This is the conflict meant to draw the viewer into the story. In Xander's basement, he, Anya, and Riley watch a kung fu movie while Buffy reads a history book And half watches, half listens. Xander wishes he had food to offer, but the hot plate is out. Noises filter down from upstairs. It's his parents fighting. There's furniture moving, objects banging, yelling. And Xander says, guess the folks are back. No, no, I was wrong. Just incompetent burglars. The noises continue. And Xander says, it's time to get a new place. And then, Buffy, you've been to hell. They had one bedrooms, right? When Buffy doesn't answer Riley asks her how the book is and Buffy says I'm fine. Riley takes the book and asks who are you lately and he wants her to have some fun. Interesting callback to when Riley was ill in season four on the drugs or withdrawing from the drugs the military gave him and he said to Buffy who are you. Not sure if that was intentional, but it does seem to fit the Buffy-Riley arc that is continuing here. Buffy is enjoying the studying, but she agrees to take a break from reading about violence for some, oh, fighting, because they're watching a kung fu movie. Riley rubs her shoulders. Xander tries the same with Anya, but her shoulder's in a sling from last week's run-in with the Harmony Gang, and she says, ow, what are you doing? I'm trying to concentrate on the kicking movie. Buffy's struck by the flaws in the martial arts action, uh, including when there's a kick from a standstill. She says, what's powering it, raw enthusiasm? Riley tells her to leave the work behind sometimes. She's not always on Slayer duty, but Buffy points out it would bother him if it was a war movie and the army was invading all willy-nilly, and she asks Xander, doesn't Willow get upset about how witches are depicted? And Xander jokes about, sure, Willow's always saying cauldrons, who uses a cauldron anymore? At 2 minutes 41 seconds in, we cut to a large demon in a robe. There's ominous music and he plunges what looks like a giant wand into a cauldron. He howls in pain but says it's the price he pays to purchase the death of the slayer. And we cut to credits. So this opening conflict relates to both of the plots here, Xander's life plot and the Buffy demon plot. And I'm, I'm not sure whether to call them one plot or two intertwined plots, Both are important, and in the end, I think the demon plot is the main plot, but it serves as a vehicle for Xander's life. So the plot is really about him. We return from the credits at 3 minutes 53 seconds in. Xander and his friends are on his way to look at an apartment for him. Willow's excited. Xander reminds her the rents are way high, and he probably won't get it. Anya protests, but he has references, and he responds, no, he has Albert, which is Xander doing an important voice, and he demonstrates it, which is kind of funny. Inside, everyone's impressed by how big the apartment is and how nice, and as Buffy says, it's not subterranean, it's above terrainian Anya says, I want it, pay anything. Always a good negotiating strategy. The rental agent, an attractive dark-haired woman, walks out of one of the back rooms at that moment, she heads for Riley, thinking he's Xander and is less than thrilled when she finds out she's wrong. Riley's wearing a nice fitting leather jacket over a dark shirt, khaki pants. He's all clean lines and Everything fits well and is pressed. Xander's wearing an unbuttoned flowered short sleeve shirt with a wilted collar over a long sleeve yellow shirt, and he has orangish, reddish baggy pants on. Anya says they can have the Scooby meetings in the living room, and Giles can explain the boring things over there. I love that Giles gets a reference. Xander is taken aback when he has to fill out an application and have a credit check. A little check on my credit, as he says. But Anya says he'll take it and tells the agent he's been living in his drunken parents' basement where someone urinated on the hot plate. The friends make awkward conversation with the agent while Anya and Xander fight his construction job is ending so he's not comfortable renting a place and he points out that Anya does have her own apartment but she's not happy when she visits she doesn't want to be in that awful basement He asks her to be patient, wait for things to come together, but Anya says things are looking untogether and he can't expect her to wait around forever. Her arm hurts, she's tired, and she doesn't feel like taking a tour of beautiful things she can't have. At 6 minutes 53 seconds in, Anya storms out and Xander says he'll start on this application. He thinks the agent will like it. He's got great penmanship. As I was watching the DVD at this point, I paused it because I was looking for the story spark or inciting incident. And usually we'll see that 10% through any story. It gets the main plot rolling. And in Buffy, almost all Always, it's about 4 minutes 20 seconds up to 5 minutes 30 seconds in. So that would be a little more than 10%. Here, I, I wasn't clear what it was. At 2 minutes 41 seconds before the credit, the demon does the spell that starts the demon plot. That's pretty early, and also, from memory, I knew this was mostly about Xander's life. So I bet myself that 10% would be right where the agent mistakes Riley for Xander and looks disappointed. Um, And I went back, and yeah, that happened at 4 minutes 35 seconds in, so right about 10%. I don't know if you can say it sets off the main plot since without what's going to happen in a moment, uh, a few moments with the demon we would have had a totally different story but that moment definitely puts Xander's insecurities into high gear we already saw him trying to be like Riley and rub on his shoulders and it didn't work and having that additional moment where the agent is clearly disappointed that it's not Riley renting the apartment uh, has a huge effect on him at seven minutes, two seconds in. We're in the magic box, which I keep wanting to call the magic shop, but we see the shop's name and it is magic box. A demon startles Giles, who is inside unpacking things, And Giles holds out this large wooden statue as if it might ward the demon off, but the demon scoffs and says that's a fertility god and calls Giles a feeble man. Giles, though, gets in a few good hits with it before the demon knocks him to the floor. Fortunately for Giles, the demon strides out saying Giles isn't the slayer and so doesn't concern the demon. In the next scene, Giles demonstrates to Buffy and friends how he swung the statue at the demon. But when Buffy asks how badly Giles hurt the demon, Giles says, maybe not hurt. And Willow says, I'm sure you startled. Giles also admits the demon didn't so much run away as turned and swept out majestically. Buffy says, so a mythic triumph over an indifferent foe. And Giles responds, well, I'm not dead or unconscious, so I say bravo for me. Xander comments on the we told you so aspect of Giles being attacked before the magic shop even opened. Riley joins in on the commentary and Giles, who's been looking through some books, says, Toth... Buffy thinks he's referring to Riley and tells Riley Toth is a British expression, meaning moron. As Riley gives her a look, Giles clarifies that, no, it's the name of the demon. And I wonder how much this moment plays into or relates to Riley's later doubts about his and Buffy's relationship and how Buffy feels about him, because it seems pretty striking that Buffy says that to Riley. Giles tells them that Toth is a very strong, unusually sophisticated demon, but... Sophisticated doesn't mean men's fashions, as Buffy suggests. It means he uses tools and devices and is very focused. And since Toth mentioned Buffy, they know what his focus is. And Riley says he mentioned Buffy. Where do I find him and how hard can I kill him? But the book doesn't say where Toth is likely to be, though Giles says he had a specific olfactory presence. And Xander comments, well, I guess we're off to the old factory. I hate that place. Buffy and Giles give him a look, and he continues, I'm joking. I know what it means. He smelled, right? Willow wants to know if it was a sandalwoody smell, but Giles says no, though it was distinctive. At 10 minutes, 17 seconds in, we cut to the dump at nighttime where, as Buffy says, smells go to relax and be themselves. They come across Spike, and Riley demands to know what he's doing there. And I love the little bit of Spike we get in this episode. Spike says, oh, there's a nice lady vampire that set up a charming tea room over the next pile of crap. What do you think I'm doing? He holds up a lamp which Willow says is very pretty and tells him he's scavenging. Now we get what looks like a very clear one-quarter twist. That's what I call the first major plot turn because usually it's about 25% through. Definitely in books it almost always is. Sometimes in a TV show it could be closer to 30% through but it comes from outside the protagonist and spins the story in a new direction and usually raises the stakes. And we see all that here in a second or a couple seconds. Giles describes the demon, asks if Spike has seen it, and at 10 minutes, 57 seconds in, Spike points beyond them and says, you mean a great tall ruby thing like that one? The demon raises the giant wand and a blast of fire comes out of it. He aims for Buffy and her friends, and misses. Spike cheers him on until he blasts Spike's lamp, and Spike says, oh, very nice. I was on your side. Xander pushes Buffy aside as the demon fires again, and the blast hits Xander, who falls into a pile of trash. Riley and Willow help him up, ask if he's okay, and the demon disappears. The friends lead Xander, who's wincing in pain, as he walks away. So that is... Toth appearing, firing at Buffy, looks like the one quarter turn definitely comes from outside Buffy, who up until now we think is probably the protagonist and raises the stakes. The demon has attacked her directly. Now I think we get to what is really the turn in the main plot. The camera pans to the trash heap, and at 11 minutes 50 seconds in, Xander is still lying there, and we cut to a commercial. We return on a sunny hot morning. Xander wakes up in the trash, confused and grubby. He makes his way to his house. He's at the back basement door knocking and calling for Anya. I guess he's thinking she slept there. Not quite clear why he'd think that. But he keeps knocking. There's no answer. He kicks the door and he hurts his foot. Then he bumps into the wall. Finally, he limps up the outdoor stairs and looks in the window. He sees himself shirtless in khaki pants that fit, more like Riley's. His hair is combed back. It looks like he's in great shape. And Xander watches himself put on a pressed button-down shirt and says, no way. Who is me? What am I doing in there? Buffy. Need Buffy. He turns away and stumbles on the cobblestone, steps and falls face down in the grass. In the next scene, Xander's at a payphone. Remember those? Maybe some of you don't you had to have coins to use them and he's telling the operator about the phone eating his quarter he's thrilled when he finds another in his pocket and then he says well ma'am for me it is worth getting excited about but the other Xander strides by with great confidence right as Buffy answers and our Xander hangs up to follow him in her bedroom Buffy packs her fighting axes and tells a worried Riley to relax another day another demon the two kiss until Dawn makes choking noises from the hallway, then claims her friend's sister died by choking on her boyfriend's tongue. She and Buffy argue. Joyce emerges from her room and says, oh, this must be my two teenage girls in the house headache. I thought it felt familiar. Buffy tells Dawn she gave mom a headache. Dawn says Buffy did part of it. And Joyce responds, it's so nice that you've learned to share. She tells them to sort it out themselves and leaves. Dawn says, she didn't say I couldn't stand here, as she's in the hallway right outside Buffy's door. Buffy slams her bedroom door, and Dawn yells, ow. At 15 minutes, nine seconds in, Spike, in his crypt, is holding the upper half of the female mannequin. It's wearing a blue halter, and he puts a long blonde-haired wig on it, then kicks it hard enough to knock the head off. Spike picks up the head, looks at it, and says, oh, Slayer, one of these days. We cut to the other Xander at work. He looks good. He's working hard. And the manager calls him into his trailer. He's talking to all the guys because the job is winding down. Our Xander still dressed in his same clothes he was wearing when he woke up in the trash, watches from outside. He's standing on a box, peering through the window. He expects the other Xander to get fired, but the boss says what a great job he's been doing. And as he says it, that other Xander is playing with a shiny object, and he flashes light over the manager's face. The boss says that Xander's work has been first rate and another job is starting and he asks him to stay and he's especially impressed that this is Xander's first construction job. Our Xander says to himself, what? Why isn't he firing me? Him. The manager also gives other Xander a promotion and our Xander falls off the box. The manager tells the other Xander he should go out and celebrate with his girl. And other Xander has an idea already about how to do that. The scene shifts to... Our Xander, listening from outside the door as other Xander, signs a lease and talks to the rental agent who now calls him Mr. Harris. She tells him he'll like the apartment. She remembers someone saying he was living in his parents' basement. And other Xander says, right, there comes a point where you either have to move on or buy yourself a Klingon costume and go with it. She laughs and wishes him well and gives him her number to call anytime, including her home number and xander our xander says she's coming on to him me please lady that is so not me he's too clean for one thing and his socks are all matchy other xander leaves a message for anya who we see is home listening on her answering machine and tells her to meet him at the apartment at 9 p.m when he walks out of the rental apartment our xander attacks him But other Xander pretty easily fights him off, punches our Xander, who says, oh man, I need Buffy. At 20 minutes, 19 seconds in, in the pouring rain, our Xander runs through Giles' courtyard and through the window sees the other Xander telling Buffy, Giles, and Riley that it stole his face and they have to find it and kill it. Our Xander says to himself, she sees it's not me. Please, Buffy, resist his spell. Do this for me. Now we're nearing the midpoint of the episode, and in a well-structured episode, we typically see the protagonist making a major commitment, throwing caution to the wind, or suffering major reversal, or both. And here... Our Xander suffers a major reversal because he has been trying to get to Buffy, counting on Buffy to help him. And now she says at 20 minutes, 21 seconds in to the other Xander, don't worry, Xander, whatever stole your face, it has to deal with the Slayer now. If you enjoy the Buffy and the Art of Story podcast and want to help ensure it continues, please post a review wherever you listen to podcasts or share it on social media or tell a friend who loves Buffy. Also, you can get bonus Buffy content, such as a breakdown of the Angel pilot episode, a comparison of Willow's and Jonathan's arc with magic, and a look at Buffy in contrast to the lone hero narrative by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Go to patreon.com, that's patreo ncom com slash Lisa M. Lilly, L-I-S-A, M is in Marie, L-I-double-L. Why? xander dripping wet finds willow in her dorm room he tells her he can prove he's xander and she says okay our xander tells her that on his seventh birthday he really wanted a toy fire truck and he didn't get it and willow was really nice about it and then the house next door burnt down and he thought she set the fire for him and he adds and if you did you can tell me he also talks about watching charlie brown together every christmas and he always does the snoopy dance which he demonstrates for her until she tells him to stop and asks why wouldn't she believe it was him he explains what's happened that there's a double out there the Xander that Willow walked out of the dump with and the double has already gotten to Buffy and Giles and convinced them We switch to Giles, who explains that there are demons that can mimic a simple form, but this seems more complex. Riley and the other Xander speak out in favor of killing the imposter Xander. Who cares what type of demon it is? But Buffy says Toth, the demon with the creepy stick thing, she thinks he hit Xander with a blast and maybe it allowed him to take Xander's form. Other Xander thinks that's right. Then we cut to our Xander we're at 23 minutes 48 seconds in he's telling Willow it's an evil robot constructed to do evil things and Willow says or it's Toth and Xander who is squeezing the water out of his clothes says or it's Toth. We go back to Buffy who was going to look for Toth anyway now she'll look for Toth who looks like Xander. Other Xander wants to go meet Anya at the apartment and be sure she's okay. Buffy thinks that's a good idea. If Xander were out there while she looked for the double, she might run into him and kill the wrong one. Our Xander tells Willow that it's a demon who's taken Xander's life and is living it better than he does. He's really discouraged, but Willow says... He needs to help her figure this out. And Xander responds, But I never help. I get in trouble and Buffy saves me. Willow responds, That's not true. Sometimes we all helped save you, and sometimes you're not in trouble. Xander says he's just another great humiliation. Everyone's treating the demon like a grown up, and it's starting to feel like the demon's doing everything better. He's smarter. Maybe Xander should just let him have the life. Willow tells him he feels that way because he's all soggy. He can't let the demon take his whole existence. And Xander says, why not? It's not like I was doing anything so great with it. When I get to the pearly gates, I'm sure the guy's not going to go, what a kick-ass comic book collection. Come on in. What have I got that's even worth Anya? Willow's a little surprised when Xander goes on to say he needs Anya. But Xander tells her to find a reveal spell and heads for the door. Willow says, Xander, you already knew he was taking over your life, and you didn't think about Anya until just now? And Xander responds, hey, wait until you have an evil twin. See how you handle it. And Willow says, I handled it fine. A lovely callback to Vamp Willow. At Anya's apartment... Our Xander hears the message on her machine from Other Xander and frantically hunts through Anya's drawers for something. We cut to Other Xander at 26 minutes, 58 seconds in. He's carrying a bucket with champagne and ice to the living room. He sets it on the floor of the new apartment. Anya is doubtful that he really got this apartment, but he assures her he did, and he did it all for Anya. They kiss. Then he asks, did she see him that day? Did they talk? And when she says no, he says, good, and kisses her again. Anya wants to know what happens next in their lives. When do they get a car or a puppy or a child? I have a list somewhere, she says, and goes on that she has no time to just let these things happen. She's dying and says, I may have as few as 50 years left. Other Xander realizes this is about Anya's arm in the sling, and he says she hasn't been hurt that way since she became human. Maybe it's hit her what being human means. She was going to live for thousands of years, but now she knows she'll age and die, and it must be terrifying. That comment about as few as 50 years left, which is not far from our Xander saying everyone's treating the other Xander like a grown-up, makes me wonder if... In this season, we'll see themes about growing up. I talked about the metaphors for seasons one, two, three, The High School is Hell, and then season 4. So now I'm wondering what season 5's metaphor might be. I'll have to give it some more thought, but I'll keep an eye out for whether there are other growing up themes here. Xander reassures Anya they can get through it together, but she's worried he can't promise he'll be with her when she gets old and wrinkled with artificial teeth. He agrees he can't promise, but it doesn't sound terrible. And he goes on, I promise you, Anya, that very soon you won't be thinking about getting older. They kiss again. It's ambiguous what Xander means. It seems a little odd. Ominous because he's so much smoother than our Xander, but he could just be saying, You'll get used to this. It'll be okay. You'll get used to being human. And that is why, when we later find out that this Xander is not evil, that's why I think that this still works and is playing fair with the audience. Because if you re-watch it, nothing stands out as uh, radically wrong if you assume this Sander is not evil. In contrast to a couple things in Real Me that really didn't make sense to me, as I talked about in the foreshadowing section of that, and also there were some future uh, episodes, something with Spike that I talked about that as well, uh, I think he- Here, this pretty much works even when you know what's going on with the two Xanders. And speaking of two Xanders, at 29 minutes, 40 seconds in, our Xander bursts into the apartment and Anya says, Xander, Xander? The other Xander tells her it's a demon and our Xander is devastated when Anya believes him willow now bursts into giles apartment as buffy and riley are about to split up and look for our xander and Giles comments i swear this time i know i had that locked which i love it's a great way to call out that everybody seems to be able to just come right into giles apartment willow explains about our xander and tells them theirs is a demon in a xander suit and especially emphasizes the Snoopy dance. Giles says, oh, dear Lord. Riley and Buffy ignore him and talk about how the Xander they saw seemed forceful and confident. And Willow rushes to say, that's not Xander. And Giles interjects, I said, oh, dear Lord. And Buffy says, you always say that. And Giles responds, well, it's always important. We're now reaching the last major plot turn, which I think of as the three-quarter turn for where it usually happens in a story. And it should grow out of the midpoint and take the story in yet another new direction. could have been our Xander bursting in on Anya and the other Xander but I'm not sure that really changes the story all by itself because they have confronted each other before. But in this next scene, we find out what is really going on, which sets Buffy and Riley off to save the Xanders and will lead to Xander's personal growth and resolving his inner doubts. At 31 minutes in, Giles tells them, that neither Xander is a demon. And when Willow asks if one is a robot, sounding doubtful that Xander could be right about that, Giles just says, what? No. He then explains Toth was trying to split Buffy into two one that is the Slayer, and one that has all the properties of Buffy when she's not the Slayer. And he thinks what happened to Xander is there is the strongest qualities of Xander and the weakest qualities of Xander, but neither is the real Xander and neither is evil. He also tells them the point of splitting Buffy is that neither half can exist without the other. So if you kill the weaker Buffy half, then the Slayer half also dies. At 32 minutes 10 seconds in, our Xander insists to Anya that the other Xander is too smooth. It can't be him. And I feel so sad for Xander at that point. But other Xander says he'll get rid of this demon. It'll take about 15 minutes. Our Xander, though, is thinking less than that. And he pulls out a gun, which must be what he was looking for in Anya's dresser. And this could also be that three-quarter turn it's at 32 minutes 40 seconds in when Xander pulls that gun and he is in essence threatening to kill himself and based on the um, script which I'll talk about in a bit that was available on the DVD I think that that is meant to be the major turn. We cut to a commercial and return to Riley driving, and Buffy says, Riley, do you wish? And he says, no. She points out he didn't know what she was going to say, but he guessed she was going to ask what if she got split in two. And she says, well, he has been kind of rankly about the Slayer gig lately, and instead of Slayer Buffy, he could have Buffy Buffy. But Riley assures her that he gets that being the Slayer is part of who she is. She thinks he doesn't get it, but he does. And she says she knows how unfun it can be. And Riley responds, Buffy, look, if you had a perfectly normal life, you wouldn't be half as crazy as you are. I gotta have that. I gotta have it all. I'm talking toes, elbows, the whole bad ice skating movie obsession. There's no part of you I'm not in love with. And I know I'm breaking the moment of the scene here, but that half as crazy as you are made me pause because I've never seen Buffy as crazy. And it's interesting that that's how Riley characterizes her. On the other hand, now I'm going to take that back because I think about last season when she told him before he knew she was the Slayer That the whole thing with claiming she was going to marry Spike was all to um, tease him because he caught her looking at a wedding dress. So maybe Riley does have a reason to see Buffy as crazy. Though I'm guessing at some point she explained that to him. Anyway, in response to Riley's declaration, there's no part of you I'm not in love with, Buffy gives a little smile and they smile at each other. And then she sighs and says they better get there soon. Quote, if Xander kills himself, he's dead. You know what I mean. End quote. At 34 minutes, 27 seconds in, Buffy bursts into the room as the Xanders are fighting Anya in between them. The other Xander got the gun, but he reluctantly gives it to Buffy after emptying the bullets out. The Xanders argue about which one is real, and Buffy tosses them both against the wall and tells them they're both Xander and they can't kill each other. And then she says, I mean, you could, but it'd be really bad. Riley tells them they can prove They're both Xander, but then he and Buffy are at a loss as to how to do that. And Buffy says, oh, what number am I thinking of? Riley says, I don't think that's going to do it. But both Xanders respond in unison, 11 and a half. Buffy says, wrong. Oh, but see? See? Buffy and Riley explains that different properties went into each Xander, though they stumble when our Xander asks, what? They don't want to hurt his feelings, so they say, you know, sense of direction, good night vision. Our Xander's afraid of that shiny disc that other Xander had with magic properties, but it turns out it's just a nickel someone flattened on the railroad tracks. Now we're reaching the climax where the opposing forces have their final clash and resolve the conflict. At 36 minutes, 37 seconds in, Toth strides into the apartment, and now he and Buffy will face off. So that is a little bit of why I struggled with do we have two plots here? Do we have a main plot and a subplot? Because the Xander's conflict with each other or Xander's conflict with himself resolved in the last scene when he accepted or both of them accepted that they were both part of the same person and it mostly resolved by Buffy explaining it to them it's not quite them resolving it though they did have a final confrontation so you could see that as the climax but now we're going to have the climax in the demon trying to kill Buffy plot and Buffy not Xander has to face and fight this demon though everyone joins in a bit to the fight Toward the end, Buffy dive rolls away when the demon fires the wand at her. Riley tries to beat up the demon, doesn't do too bad, but eventually gets tossed aside. Buffy fights again, gets the demon on the ground, yells to Riley for her sword, which he throws to her, and she kills Toth with it. Now we're at the falling action part of the story. That's where the writers tie up any loose ends and resolve subplots. And here we're going to tie up some loose ends with Xander, at 37 minutes, 32 seconds in, Xander says, oh, yeah, cleaning deposits gone. And our Xander says he was thinking the same thing. Do you suppose they are the same person? At the magic box, the Xanders are now dressed the same in that outfit we first saw Xander in with the flowered shirt. And Riley says, psychologically, this is fascinating. Doesn't it make everyone want to lock them in separate rooms and do experiments? They all look at him and he says, just me then. A nice callback to the initiative. Anya's intrigued that the two sanders are exactly the same. Maybe they shouldn't do this right away. She could take them home, have sex with both of them, and they could slap them together in the morning. Giles, who has been reading the spell, says, ah, we just uh, need to arrange the candles. Also, we should continue to pretend we heard none of the disturbing sex talk. And Willow says, check, candles and pretense. At 39 minutes 18 seconds in the other Xander explains how he got the promotion because our Xander is still confused about that and other Xander says well I'm good at that stuff and Xander says I am and other Xander says yeah maybe that moment is really the climax of the Xander versus himself plot it's not resolved through action but it is this moment when Xander talks with himself and recognizes his abilities and that he does have much more capability than his self-doubt gives him credit for so I've been putting this in the falling actions section the tying up loose ends section but maybe that is actually the climax of that plot now Willow puts Xander both Xanders in a circle And Anya asks, well, what if this doesn't work? And both Xanders say, kill us both, Spock. Buffy comments, they're kind of the same now. And Giles says, yes, he's clearly a bad influence on himself. Willow assures them it won't be that hard. Their natural state is to be together. Toth's spell is keeping them apart. She just needs to break it. The Xanders shut their eyes, and all Willow says is, let the spell be ended. Xander doesn't believe it will work, but he opens his eyes and he is one. And Anya comments, I liked it the other way. Put him back. At 40 minutes, 41 seconds in, we're going to resolve in some ways the Buffy Riley subplot. In Xander's basement, they're helping him move out. And this Xander is dressed a little bit in between the two. He has a red t-shirt on under an open collared shirt that is not wrinkled. And Riley asks if he's nostalgic leaving the basement. Xander talks about all the memories when Spike slept there, when Xander and Anya fought a demon, when he got his heart ripped out and concludes that he hates this place. Buffy congratulates Anya on not being in the sling-wearing crowd anymore. Anya says she's happy and anticipates many years before her own death. Xander suggests Anya help carry some things, she'd rather load Buffy up like a pack mule, but Xander insists. She says fine, but stalks off saying she's just his slave. Riley and Xander are alone in the basement, and Xander says to Riley, how is it that she can always make me feel suave Xander's left the building? Riley tells Xander he has his problems with Anya, but it's obvious she digs the whole package. Still, Xander sometimes envies Riley for the sanity, he clarifies, not that he's still into Buffy or that he was ever into Buffy. Riley smiles and says, yeah, I'm well aware of how lucky I am, like lottery lucky. Buffy's like nobody else in the world. When I'm with her, it's like, it's like I'm split in two. Half of me is just on fire going crazy if I'm not touching her. The other half is so still and peaceful perfectly content just knows this is the one but she doesn't love me. He gives this sad little smile and Buffy walks in asking what else there is to carry. She kisses Riley she seems very happy and there is sad music playing as Xander looks at them and we go to credits. We do have a listener comment here on Buffy versus Dracula. This is from Steve, one of the patrons of the podcast, who writes, here is my take from this episode. It shows that Buffy is actually more attracted to vampires than she is to Riley. Also, I liked it because it was campy and I love the Dracula movies. And I agree. It's, it's interesting to think about it in the context of the Buffy-Riley relationship developments we see here. Definitely Riley thinks that. Also, Jarent um, on Twitter sent a link to a Vulture article, and I'll put a link in the show notes about Joss Whedon responding to some of the allegations against him. I found it very interesting, and it delved into a little more depth on a lot of the things that I had heard only a line or two about here and there. It's at vulture.com slash article slash Joss Whedon allegations dot html. There is no DVD commentary for this episode, but as I mentioned, the DVD does have the original script available, and it adds to my view that Xander's life is the main plot, which seems pretty clear based on the amount of time we spend on it and in Xander's point of view, but it also clarifies the major plot turns. So act one ends after the friends leave the dump with other Xander, and act two starts with our Xander in the dump. Act two ends after Xander watches Buffy, Riley, and Giles talk to other Xander, and Buffy doesn't recognize that it's not our Xander. So that major reversal that I talked about. Act three ends when our Xander pulls a gun on the other Xander at the apartment. So that was one of the turns that I thought could be the major plot turns. So this suggests that's certainly where the screenwriters saw it. And then act four begins with Riley and Buffy in Riley's truck. These are all key moments in Xander's story. The cuts really are not about Buffy and the demon. So we could see Buffy and the demon almost as a subplot of the main plot. But Buffy clearly has a subplot with how the demon affects or or maybe brings out her relationship with Riley. And the script offers a little bit of insight on that. It includes a scene that is not in the episode. It's in her bedroom. I I'm guessing the conversation was cut out of the scene that we do see where she just gives this short reassurance to Riley. In the scene, in the screenplay, Buffy says she's going to hunt in the sewers for Toth and she doesn't want Riley to join her because he might get hurt. Riley says he doesn't like her facing off alone against these creeps after her. First, it was Dracula. But Buffy tells him Dracula's not the first to come after her. She can handle it. Riley tells her he'll stay out of it if she insists, but she can't blame him for worrying. This does suggest that Riley's doubts stem from the Dracula episode. Later in the truck, when Riley says there's no part of Buffy he's not in love with, the directions in the screenplay say that Buffy thinks about his answer and allows herself a small smile. So this suggests to me that Buffy is pleased about this and doesn't seem to support Riley's belief that she doesn't love him. Then when Riley says that Buffy doesn't love him, the direction for him is the following. He says it without bitterness, merely with quiet acceptance. Xander doesn't know what to say. Those uh, moments and directions... Lead me to one of my main questions from the episode. True or not true, Buffy doesn't love Riley. There is some evidence, at least from Riley's point of view, that Buffy does not love him. And from the audience point of view, Buffy doesn't say, I love you back or I'm in love with you too. She smiles, but then she talks about Xander. And we have not ever seen Buffy say she loves Riley. He said, I love you to Faith when she was in Buffy's body and Faith freaked out. Now, Riley knows that was not Buffy, but at the time he didn't. And I think I talked about in one of the other episodes that might very well stick with him. That had to be really difficult for him. And then we have the Dracula reference. Buffy was in Dracula's thrall, and we know that Riley tied that to her love for Angel, and Riley feels inferior to Angel. We saw that last season, and he pretty much said it in Buffy versus Dracula. It is not clear what Buffy's feelings are. Going back to does this episode play fair with the audience, my only question on this rewatch where I was looking for that is why does Toth disappear in the dump after hitting Xander by mistake? Uh, Why didn't he try again and aim at Buffy? It is somewhat foreshadowed by him striding off uh, without hurting Giles or at least not hurting Giles badly earlier in the episode and perhaps Toth prefers to try when Buffy's alone because having the friends there definitely thwarts Toth and in fact Xander is the one who dives in front of Buffy and that I hadn't thought about it till this moment that tells us a lot about Xander's state of mind too because throughout this he's like gotta find Buffy gotta find Buffy all I ever do is need to get saved and yet in that moment he saved Buffy none of them knew what was going on if she had been split in two and there was Buffy Buffy out there who was not the Slayer who knows what would have happened it would have been relatively easy for Toth to kill her that is it for this episode other than foreshadowing I hope you will stay tuned for that but if not Thank you so much for listening and I hope you'll return in two weeks for Out of My Mind where Spike teams up with Harmony aiming to get his chip taken out. Remember, you can download free story structure worksheets so that you can apply the plot points and turns I talk about here to your own novel or story or screenplay. Just go to writingasasecondcareer.com slash story. And we are back for foreshadowing and spoilers. There's so much here for Xander's and Anya's relationship and Xander's character arc. Suave Xander thinks about Anya right away. He tells her he got the apartment for her uh, in the midst of believing that Toth... Is mimicking him. Yeah, he wants to see that Toth is killed, but he thinks right away about wanting to make sure Anya is okay. He doesn't hesitate to say how he feels about her, both through words and actions, Suave Xander also knows what he's good at. He's not worried about not being able to pay the rent. He's a little surprised that he is offered a continuing job because he knew the project he was working on was finishing, but he's not. Shocked, he knows that he's good at what he does. Where our Xander struggles, even though he hears that message, he doesn't seem to think about Anya until he's talking with Willow for quite a while. All of this foreshadows Xander leaving Anya at the altar because he is so afraid of becoming his father and that they will become his parents. And we see here in that clip in the beginning of his parents fighting and how xander feels so awkward and embarrassed about it why he has that fear and then his attempt to be like riley fails when he tries to rub Anya's shoulders so he's got All these doubts, all these concerns about whether he can be a good partner for Anya. This sense that he needs Buffy. He's got to find Buffy. Even though he did save her earlier, this is great foreshadowing for how the demon at Anya and Xander's wedding manipulates Xander. It is not only that he is a terrible husband and he and Anya fight all the time. But the scenario that happens in his mind is that he has been injured helping Buffy, and Buffy gets killed anyway, and he's unable to work. And it seems like a lot of their problems stem from that. And this echoes his his fears about needing Buffy to save him, about how he helps, but he doesn't really help. And that if Buffy is gone, whether she dies or ever abandons him, that he will become the worst version of himself. We also have a fun foreshadowing, which I never noticed before, Anya's fears that he'll leave her when she gets old, when she has artificial teeth. And in the musical episode in season six, She has a line about whether he'll love her when she's, uh, when I'm old and wrinkly and I look like David Brinkley. So little foreshadowing of that. Riley's doubts here or his beliefs that Buffy doesn't love him foreshadow his unwillingness in the next episode to get his chip removed. And his eagerness to go fight Toth and kill him because Toth is focused on Buffy shows his need to protect Buffy which I think informs the next episode where he feels that chip uh, losing it will make him less strong he fears without the chip he will not be super Riley anymore and why would Buffy want him this moment between Buffy and Riley, I've talked before about how they don't talk about a lot of things. In in season four, the Jonathan episode, they resolve their conflict over Faith taking over Buffy's body, but they resolve it without talking. And here, again, Riley says this no part of Buffy he's not in love with, and she smiles, but she doesn't say anything. And he doesn't say anything to her about feeling She doesn't love him, he tells Xander. In the next episode, they'll have this moment in the caves where she is trying to convince him to get his chip out, and he'll talk about feeling like he can't touch her, and she says something like, I don't know why, I'm right here, but he still doesn't say, hey, I said I was in love with you, and you never said it back, and she still never says, I love you. So they have this continued not- talking about things until fast forward to the episode where Buffy discovers Riley has been paying vampires to drink his blood and then all of this comes out and then he leaves he she has like five minutes to process it and he leaves so they they never really talk in any sort of productive way and this certainly uh, adds to or lays further groundwork for that. Then there's Joyce's headache when she says the two teenage girls in the house headache. She knew it felt familiar two things one it's a foreshadowing of Joyce's brain tumor it's the headaches that will send her to the doctor and it also raises the question when she says two teenage girls in the house does her brain tumor relate to the way the monks changed this world changed everyone's memories to put dawn into them is that part of what causes the tumor we will never have an answer On that. Xander's evil robot comment is a fun foreshadowing. There's that. There's the later reference by Willow and Giles. And it's a tiny hint that gets us ready for the robot April, who then foreshadows the Buffy bot. And then there's the season six Warren bot. So we've got this evil robot reference. And I have to think that's on purpose that the writers knew the Buffy bot and the other bots were coming. That is it for foreshadowing and spoilers. Thank you again for listening. And I do hope you'll return in two weeks for Out of My Mind, where Riley has a crisis and Spike and Harmony threaten Buffy. If you'd like to connect or comment on the podcast, you can find me on Twitter at lily. L I S A, Emmys and Marie, L I You can visit the Buffy in the Art of Story Facebook page. You can find that through lisalily.com slash Facebook or comment on YouTube which you can get to through lisalily.com slash YouTube. You can find back episodes of Buffy and the Art of Story at lisalily.com slash Buffy story or on my YouTube channel and you can find the book editions of Buffy and the Art of Story at lisalily.com slash Buffy books. Music for this episode was written and performed by Robert Newcastle. Buffy and the Art of Story is a production of Spiny Woman, LLC, copyright 2021. All rights reserved.